Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. It is awesome to be joined today by Daniel Botero. He is the founder of Mastering College to Career, which happens to also be the name of his book, podcast, and academy. Welcome, Daniel. Emily, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show. You have no idea. It's awesome to have you. When we talk, I get new ideas. I get energized. And just like you do for your clients who are primarily college students who are embarking on their careers, you give confidence in next steps, which is such an important thing for that group in particular. Absolutely. That is the goal for me is to show them they can do it. Like if someone else has done it, why can't they do it themselves, right? Exactly. Yes. And you encourage us with that message every day. I wanted to have you on the Mothers of Misfits podcast for two reasons. First, I want everyone to hear your background because it has certainly not been the uh, quote unquote normal path. And then I also want to get your take on the experiences that college students are going through right now, because now more than ever, it's a very uncertain time and parents are looking for more resources and advice to coach their kids through this phase of life. So let's start off, Daniel, with your background. Talk about how you've embraced being a misfit up to this point. Well, so for me, I think I I moved to this country when I was eight years old and it was just my mom and I. Uh, My dad had died when I was three years old. And after five years of living in Colombia, my mom couldn't give me the same style or lifestyle that that she thought I deserved. And so she decided that the best move for us was to move to the United States. And it just crazy story because I, I, I owe everything that I've done in my life because of my mom, because her being courageous enough to move to the United States with two suitcases and $2,000 with so much uncertainty, it's, I still don't know how, what, like how she did it, like going back at it. And because I knew that my mom who went from never working a day in her life to working seven days a week after my father had passed away, um, she was always working. And like, I remember growing up, my mom was making $2,000 a month. Like I just remember it was $1,000. It was rent. So $1,000 went to rent and $1,000 went for everything else. So I can never really ask my mom for money or at least I never felt right. So ever very early on, I had this, I wouldn't say like I always wanted to be an entrepreneur because I didn't know what that was. I just knew that I tried to, I just try to solve problems so that I can make money. Um, and it all started my first kind of like way of making money is that I lived in a neighborhood in apartments that the back of my apartments were the YMCA soccer field. And I noticed that every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, there was these adults that would come straight from work at five o'clock. They would change in the parking lot, like from their like ties and shirts to their soccer attire. And I was like, at this age, I was nine years old. And I would say that they would play soccer, but none of them had water. And so what I did is that I would go and I would take a roll, a, a rolling cooler, walk like about half a mile to like, it was in Albertsons back then. And I would buy water because it wasn't that much, uh, fill it up with ice. And I would, I love soccer. So I would just sit there and watch them. And I had the cooler open. I wasn't, I didn't have a, didn't charge a, I didn't have a price point because I just didn't know that. I just put a little jar and they would start tipping. 
and I was nine years old making $150 every week. They didn't like, there was, you know, supply and demand. They were thirsty. They never had time to go get water. They were unorganized men rushing to play soccer. And there was this kid selling water. You know, I did it for about four years. At one point, I had energy drinks, Gatorades. Like, I had this whole system. I had a notepad where people would pay me later. Like, people would just pay me, like, $25 for the whole month, and then they'll just get water every time. And it was awesome. And, like, that's, like, it felt good being young and being able to never ask my mom for money and being kind of, like, self-sufficient. And and then that kind of elevated to like a car wash business where I would have like 20 customers with a friend of mine in the neighborhood and would just do car wash. And then I noticed one day um, when I was in high school, my mom's friend who was her best friend is from Peru. She had brought me a gift and it was a lacrosse, lacrosse polo, the little alligator ones. And they're like, at least like at that time, this is like 2006, um, they were $75. And I was like, this is like the best gift ever. Cause I, I used to always love wearing polos, like a little businessman. And I was like, like why? this is so expensive. Like I don't deserve this. And she's like, Oh, the Lacoste factories in, in, in Peru, we get them for like $10. Um, they're like extras that they make. So like the factory makes over. And so they sell the, the extra ones on the street. And so I said, Hi, well, can you bring me some? Cause I had money saved up for my, for my, water bottle days and so at one point i had two different locker rooms in my high school selling lacrosse polos for 25 dollars because i would buy them for 10 dollars, and i would sell them for 25 dollars, and then um that's kind of how it all started like and i started like n- never asking my mom for money i just like hey like i just can't and like that's kind of like my journey kind of began of, of realizing that i love business like that's kind of how i discovered that i love business and um and yeah, I mean, I, I, that kind of led to me. I never knew if I wanted to go to college or not. I, I, I just was not the best student. Um, so my first, like right out of high school, I went to community college for my first two years um, because it was the only place where I didn't have to apply. Like I, I didn't have to, I didn't have good SAT scores. And then when I finished community college, I transferred to a, a University of Central Florida, which is they're guaranteed acceptance if you graduate with your AA. And that was the only way I got in. And the one skill that I've always had was networking, just people skill. Um, And I think that comes, you know, after reading a bunch of books and like getting, having a lot of mentors, I've learned what I did right, but I didn't know that I was doing it right when I was in school. I, I messed up a lot. There's a lot of things that I like, I was very different. Like to this point, to this day, like I'm, I can't spell Emily. Like I, I, I'm sure that I post things on LinkedIn that don't even make sense. I think I'm probably dyslexic, but I've learned that those are the qualities that make me different. And those are the qualities that make me stand out. And I'd be the first one to confront that I can't spell. Like I'm saying this in a, in a podcast, but what happens is that people can relate and they might not, they might be able to spell, but they can relate to me. And then when they do see a misspelling, they don't see like, Oh, that guy is so unprofessional. They'll be like, well, that's his, you know, that's his problem. Like he hasn't, it's hard for him to do that, you know? And so if I poke fun on myself first, then no one else can really make fun of me. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes complete sense. And what I love about your story is that you succeeded not in spite of being a misfit, but because you've embraced the fact that you are a misfit. 
And it's a total myth that anybody has it all together. That's why I do think you're so attractive to people because you're honest about your shortcomings and you lean into those things that come so naturally. And clearly you have a knack for entrepreneurship. It's interesting that you talk about your experiences with schooling because it's not uncommon for those students who thrive in business to struggle in school. Oftentimes, those entrepreneurial gifts don't match up with the expectations of school. It sounds like that was the same for you. Yeah, I, I think there is this one quote by Albert Einstein that like really changed the way I looked at things. It says, you shouldn't judge a fish ability to climb a tree, right? Like, I, and I think I, I didn't say it perfectly right, but that to me was like, it clicked. I'm like, I shouldn't be judged by my ability to climb a tree if I feel like I am a fish. So what I need to do is find myself a pool, right? And school has been that tree. And if I'm a fish, the school has been that. I can't, I struggle with standardized tests I can't pass any standardized test. My GPA graduating was a 2.9, but I tell you, it's a 2.9 because I got a lot of smart people mentoring and helping me study. If I had to do it all by myself, I would probably have a 1.9. Like, but I'm not like, but here's the thing. Everything that I do remember from school, like everything that I did pass, I never forget it. Versus like my wife, who is complete different to me, who is extremely book smart, who graduated like with honors. She can take she can study a test. I still remember one day like I studying for this final exam. It was like a five page front and back single uh, single space, 12, 12 font. I've been studying all week. My, my wife went to a different university. She went to University of Florida. I drive up and I said, hey, can you help me study for an hour? After that one hour, she had known more than I had, and I had already studied for 15 hours before that, right? And that's when I realized, like, I'm like, I'm being measured by the wrong metrics. With grades being the measuring stick that we have until about age 23, what would you say to parents who have kids who are struggling to pass their classes, but at the same time show that zeal for business like you did? I would say, like, look... If I had, if I can go back, if, if, I, if I could parent myself, right? if I can go back and if I were to raise myself with what I know now, I don't think college would have been where I would have went, right? I went to college because it's what society pushed me. It's what my guidance counselors pushed me. It's what, um, if you didn't go to college, that you were, I was just going to be another statistic of a Hispanic male with no father that are more likely to end up in jail than it is to end up with a college degree. Um, but if I look back and I say, okay, where does Daniel succeed? Like if I see my kid is making this much money, like not even, it's not even about the money. It's about the fact that he's identifying problems, he's solving it, he's building relationships. Like one of those people that worked at, at that YMCA, his wife was on the board of directors. They added me to the membership. So I got a free membership. Um, he had a landscaping business when I was 14 years old out in the summer I was working, making landscaping, I made $5 a house. So I was making great money as a 14 year old. Like it's being able to identify that I would have said, where can you be mentored and started doing internships for other entrepreneurs that I, the more I meet people, like there's people like, yeah, I, I used to, I, I can relate to your story. I would find them and I would try to get, get 
my son mentored by these people. And I don't think he, I would have needed to go to college. I think I would be further ahead if I was $20,000 richer in stu- from student loans and not even $20,000. Like that, that's, not, that's, the, that's the least part of it. It's four years of my life that I dedicated to try to do something that I really struggled with instead of doubling down on my strengths. What I hear you saying is that parents should look to what their kids are willing to put effort into and praise that because it may not be into those traditional places, but the fact that they're putting effort in is a really good sign. Also, relationships. Um, You've mentioned so many times how mentoring relationships and coaches and networking has been so valuable to you. So, you know, having parents encourage their kids to form relationships with people of all ages, especially those who can teach them something, is really valuable. And then also for parents to consider that college may not be for everyone. Do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think I would have my son or daughter explore. I think it's all about exploring and having conversations with all the taper areas or fields or industries that their son or daughter might be interested in. Um, Because there's, I think nowadays there's not like before college was the answer for everything. And I don't, and I'm not saying that college is not the answer. Look, my business is all about helping college students, right? Right. So it is, it is the answer for a lot of things, but it's just not the default answer like it used to be. So yes, 100%. You're right. That's a big shift too, that it's college really is not the answer for everyone. And in this economic climate that we suddenly find ourselves in, and even with the opportunity for online learning to be available, you don't have to have that traditional college experience. So I agree with you. There are a lot more options on the table and families can consider something that matches that student's needs and talents much more than a one-size-fits-all solution. Yeah. In thinking about colleges, Daniel, you brought up, and it's kind of ironic that you're a college misfit, but yet you built a business around helping college students. Why are you so passionate about that group of people? Because I think that the students who are juniors or seniors that are in college that don't know what they want to do with their lives are the ones that are in the worst spot possible because they are already pot committed. They're already tens of thousands of dollars with the student loans and they have no other way but to finish. And so what happens is this, Emily, 80% of all college students graduate without a job lined up. Most of them will end up getting a job, but 40% of them, close to half of all college students in the United States, never work in a job that required their degree they've worked so hard for. So why would half of people that go to college get spend four to six years, arguably the best years of their lives, the most productive years of their life, their peak Tens of th- like the average person's graduating with thirty thousand dollars worth of student loans to go work at a job that it didn't require the degree. That to me is crazy. So to me that and and those numbers are for everybody. Now if we just talk about first generation minority students, which is what I focus on, that's even crazier. That number is even higher. Um and and so that that's why I, I want to help because I feel like for me, someone who graduated with like 
not a good GPA, didn't go to like a top 25 school. And for me to graduate with dozens of job offers, I, I think I figured it out. And then the more I've gone into this industry, interview industry experts like yourself um, now, and I've helped thousands of students now, now I crack the code. So now it's just, how do I help those people? Number one, first, get more clarity about what they want to do. And then second, how to network their way to the job because applying online doesn't work. Wow. You're saying some things that absolutely defy traditional thought. A few weeks back, you posted on LinkedIn. And by the way, you post very meaningful content. I encourage all of the listeners to follow you on LinkedIn and have their students do the same if they're of the high school, college age. But you talk about why it's so important for college students and really anyone looking for a job to embrace what makes them different. Why do you give that advice? Because here's the thing, you know, I, I look back and I, and I try to figure out what's, how do I, what, what's the difference between the students that are getting the jobs at the Googles or the top companies or the PepsiCo's of the world versus the students that are graduating or working uh, at, as, a co- as a barista at a coffee shop? Like, what is the difference? It's not the education. They're, a lot, they're, getting, they're going to the same school. They're getting the same education. The difference is that the people who are getting jobs are unique. And then I try to I try to reverse engineer and try to be like, all right, why is that, right? And if we really think about it, uh, since elementary school all the way until college, as 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 a student, right, we're trying to fit in. We're trying to be just like our peers. Like you see a group of students, and they'll have the same backpack, they'll have the same type of clothing. Like I know that all my people, the friends I. We all hung out with in high school. We all had lacrosse polos, right? Sponsored by Daniel at a lower discount rate. But we all wore the lacrosse polos, right? Um, same thing. If you go around college, you see the the, the guy, the people in the fraternities, they're all wearing the frat letters with gym shorts, and, and girls are all wearing yoga pants. Like is you're it's like you're trying to fit in. So you spend 13 years of your life, and if you add college, now you have 17 years of your life just trying to fit in. Yeah, if you talk to employers, they want you to be different. And so the only competitive advantage that you have is to be yourself and be unique. And that is how you recession-proof your career. Wow. Yeah, my personal slogan, which has become that of this podcast as well, is why fit in when you were born to stand out? Those social pressures we have to fit in, which is really just a myth anyways, right? I mean, that doesn't exist. There is no fit in. We're all unique. We're all a standout. But we're so trained, like you said, in the first several decades of our lives to try to be just like one another. And when the time is right to express how you uniquely contribute, students have a hard time articulating that. I, I've gone back because I've tried to like I've tried to dissect what like. Look, my life has not been perfect. I've failed a hundred times more than I've ever succeeded, right? But every time that I've succeeded has been because I've been different. Like, I look back at my time at Universal Studios. Like, I worked at the theme park, right? And I was working at at selling glow-in-the-dark lifesavers and toys. And I worked there for five years part-time pretty much throughout my whole senior year of high school all the way until, like, college, and I remember like my manager saying like, hey, you're breaking all the records in sales. He's like, what are you doing? And I used to remember that everybody would just stand there. And then I remember like I wanted to be playful because I, I, I wanted time to go faster. 
So what I did is that I always had two lifesavers. And every time a little kid made eye contact with me, I would throw him my lifesaver. And so he would catch it and then we would play for like a good 10, 15 seconds. But what I realized from doing that, I was different. No one else was doing that in all of Universal Studios is that once that kid had that sword, the parent was not going to get it out of his hands. So the, the parent would just give me $10 in, in return. And so I would, sell, I would sell five times more swords than any, every, any other vendor. But I never did it because I'm just trying to tr manipulate the kid from buying it. I did it because I wanted time to go faster and I wanted to be playful because that's what my personality was. I wanted to be myself, right? So because I was myself, that led to me having more sales than anybody else, making more commission than anybody else, and, and, and over and over again. Same thing with this business. It wasn't until I just started being honest, being myself, admitting that I can't spell, that more students were like, you know what? I can relate to your story. I want your help. So I want to come back around to your mom because kids like you are not always easy to parent. As you talked about, you take the road less traveled, you get into all these big adventures, you defy the odds, you fail, you take big risks. I know you've talked about your mom being a huge supporter of you and your big, wild, crazy ideas. How much has her support meant to you? I think, you know, I mean, a lot, right? I, I can't, I can't quantify, I can't express how much my mom has influenced me in all areas of my life and why I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for her. Like it, it took her sacrifice to give me a springboard to be able to succeed in life. And I would tell you, it's not always been the best relationship. Like um, many times throughout my life, she's disagreed with every most decisions that I made. Like, And so I do want to share both the good and the bad because I think it's important for, for parents to know. And sometimes one thing that we need to do is, as a parent is take the time to see it in another perspective. So my mom never went to college. Um, and then we moved to the United States. I started college. And as you and I know, both like internships are important. Like they're a key, a big factor of you getting a job. And think about my mom at this time had already been working for 13 years in America, never had a day off, uh, never took a vacation. She just because she doesn't work, she doesn't make money. And we live like I mean, but when I mean paycheck to paycheck, I mean, like, not even paycheck, like, she can't even take a day off because if now we will be we'll be short on, on our bills, right? And I remember going to my mom saying, Hey mom, I am so happy. You won't believe what happened. She's like, What happened? It's like I got an internship. She's like, What is what does that mean? She's like, Well, I got a job that's gonna help me get experience. And she's like, Well, how much are they paying you? And I said, It's free. Like I'm working for free. And my mom was like, You're an idiot. Like, why would you be working for free? Like they're just trying to take advantage of you because you're an, a migrant student and things like that. Like my mom was the best for me, right? She was nothing but the best for me. And she was mad at me for a whole semester. And I understand why she's over here busting herself and I'm over here picking up more student loans so that I can do this free internship. But fast forward when I graduated college and I had this amazing job offer with PepsiCo, I was making three times more than what my mom made a year when I graduated college, it was a complete life changer for our family. And to be able to then go and, and my mom tell me, you were right. I'm sorry. I know that if it wasn't for that free internship, you probably would have gotten PepsiCo. And so those are the differences, you know, that as we create our own path, we have to try to see where is my son or my daughter? How, why are they doing that? And try to understand that in another way, like I, 
she's always been the most supportive and been like when when I win, it's not me, it's not just my win, it's it's our win. Like when I wrote the book, it's not me writing the book, we wrote the book because I I, I honestly feel like we're a package deal. And I would not be without her sacrifice. I would not be able to have written that book. And so it's like, I am just an extension. So all my success are my mom's success. And so when you saw that video that I posted on LinkedIn of, of me, she was the first person who saw the actual book. My wife read it because she edited all the writing mistakes that I, I all the spelling grammar and stuff. But when my mom saw that, she cried of happiness because she knew it was her book. I love that you also share the honest truth behind the relationship with your mom. Uh, I know that as a mom, I set myself to a very high, impossible to reach standard, which is that I need to get it right every time. And even though I intellectually know that is ridiculous, I still do it to myself. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of the parents listening do the same thing. So it's wonderful to hear that it's not always about agreeing yep. or always getting it right, but it's about loving your kids through it and letting them know that we're there for them, uh, no matter if it works out or it doesn't. And it sounds like that's what your mom has always done for you. Uh, it's made you successful for it. And as you said, she's a critical part of your story. Uh, even though you're an adult now, you've moved out of her household. I'm hearing that she's still a big part of a lot of your decisions. I mean, a, a lot of them, right? Like, I, I mean, every major decision she she has influence over. And we don't agree on a lot of them, right? Because I, I see the world in, in a different lens now. But I also try to th think about her. But like one of the things that, you know, I've learned from my mom is that no matter what decisions my son or daughter will make in the future, I have to under I have to support them. Right. I have to be OK with them. And if they fail, I have to be there to pick them up. And if they succeed, I have to be there to che cheer them. Right. Um, my mom was not um, when I decided to leave PepsiCo after six years. Um, another quick story just to give you guys a another perspective. Right. I had so I graduated college, worked for PepsiCo. I was there for six years, and then during that time, I got promoted four times, like three, four times. One of them was like a management training program. But um, my mom had lost, like my, she had got remarried. Her husband at the time died of cancer. She worked for this small company her whole life, and they couldn't hold her position when she wanted to spend the last three months by his side. So after he, you know, my father, my stepfather passed away. Um, she couldn't find a job, so I got her a job at PepsiCo. So to give you guys an idea, I was my mom's boss's boss's boss, right? So there's a lot of corporate ladder. My mom was like the most level entry job, making fifteen dollars an hour. My mom still doesn't speak English, so it's like very very. I help train and mentor my mom's boss's boss, right? So there's like this whole thing, right? And so. To my mom, I was like the golden child to tell her her friends that she was so proud to say, yeah, like, because all my mom's friends were super proud that she has a job at corporate America, you know, benefits, like all these things that we take for granted, like in the circle of my mom's friends, she's, she's, she's living life, right? She, 
She has her own house. She has all benefits and health insurance. She has paid vacation. That is a luxury that we all take for granted. And and to say that, yeah, my son is like the boss's boss's boss is like the, the proudest moments of her life. And when I told my mom that I was leaving PepsiCo to do this, she cried. Like, like she begged me. She begged me. She's like, and, and I didn't just give them a two-week notice because I was going to go start my own thing. I told my boss, like, hey, if you need me for a month, I'll, I'll, whatever you need, I don't want the business to suffer. Like, I'm not in a rush, but I, I just really want to pursue my passion. And so I, I stayed with them for three weeks. And every day she would call my mom, like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And... um. And so obviously she didn't agree with my decision to leave PepsiCo, but it doesn't matter because at one point in my business, like anything else, when you think you, like when I thought I was going to be profitable in six months, it took me a year and I sold my 401k and to a point where I was thinking about like going back to corporate America. And my mom was like, I have $5,000 in savings. Do you want them? Like, you know what I mean? Like she just wants to support me, even though she did not agree with the decision. She didn't say, hey, I told you so. That would that would have been the moment to say, hey, you sh- I told you you should have stayed at PepsiCo. Um, but instead, she offered to support me. And so after, you know, you overcome that and like the book comes out, she's it's her win. She she wins with me. And then if when I'm down, she, she tries to pick me up. Right. That's like that to me is you can't put a price on that. No. Your relationship is indicative of many parent-child relationships where your problem-solving approaches are different. The way you and your mom approach the world is very different, but that doesn't mean that you can't come together on your why. The both of you agree on what motivates you, what you're excited about, your value system, what you're passionate about. I advise parents who are listening who similarly don't share that same MO with their kids to seek out that common ground and then let them be free to be themselves. I just love that your mom is right there with you every step of the way, willing to sacrifice. She definitely is your number one raving fan, that's for sure. Yep. But she's also my biggest critic. <laughs> well, she's keeping you real, right? Yeah. She's also keeping you humble. There's a place for that too, which sometimes only mothers can fill. Let me turn our conversation a little bit and go back to a really unique thing that's happening right now that I don't think has ever happened before, and I sure hope doesn't happen again, which is being experienced by seniors in high school and college. That is, all of the traditional ceremonies and celebrations have been canceled due to COVID-19. Talk about feeling out of place. That entire group of students really feels like they've lost out on some important experiences that they were looking forward to. In turn, the the parents of those students are struggling. How do we meet those kids' needs right now? Many of them are suffering with mental health struggles because of what's happening. They're having to adjust to online schooling. I mean, already college and career are such uncertainties, and it feels even more so. What advice would you give to the parents who are trying to guide their kids in this time, particularly those who are college seniors who are ready to embark on their career? It's it's hard for me because other than just be there for them and try to understand them and and understand and fill their love tank, like I, I think be supportive and show them that they can overcome that, like. I, I don't know that there is much that I can provide, Emily, because 
I struggle with that. Like my my brother in law is a senior in college, and he's gone. He's got to come home, and he's upset. Like he's he doesn't leave his room for the same reason you're saying. He feels like his senior year got stolen from him. A lot of um, he goes to a commuter school where. Other than that, college there's nothing there, and he's not—he's not gonna be able to see all his friends because they're all gonna graduate now, all virtually, and then move out. And then all I say is, I think you just need to use—I think for every disadvantage, there's an advantage, um, if you know how to play it right. And I look back and say, all right, how many times have I done a reunion with all my college friends or all my high school friends? And I would tell you, never. Right, I've graduated six years ago. I've never. But this might be the reason why you guys can all meet this time every year on a cruise or on, on a trip that you could never done it before. Because I'm telling you, I've never done it. And I don't know that anybody that has. But because you didn't have one graduation, this could be the reason why for 20 plus years of your life, every May 5th, because it's always graduation the first week of May, that becomes the class of 2020 graduation trip. And that's how I would look at it. Like how many, like how would you turn a negative to a positive? It is so amazing and clearly part of your success that that's how you think about it, Daniel. I was actually uh, talking with someone the other day and we said something similar, uh, which is that the class of 2020 should have prom at their one-year high school reunion. But they should come up with creative ways. And I'm sure the students that are wired like you will do just that to get those experiences. And it's important as parents that we encourage them to think out of the box right now. It's very easy to feel overwhelmed and anxious about what's happening right now, uh, particularly because a lot of it is not in our control. But this is the time to take control of your own future. I'll also suggest that this is an amazing time for students to go through your material, Daniel. Uh, That's going to help them with those concerns about what their future looks like. Um, It's going to give them something very productive and practical to do in this time. Uh, I mean, they can't even go visit colleges right now. So this is a really great alternative. I encourage all of the listeners to check it out. So how can they do that? How can they get involved in your podcast and uh, especially the Academy? Yeah. If you just Google Mastering College to Career, that will just pop up the podcast, the book and everything like that. So it just really depends on how your son or daughter best learns. If they learn by reading, then they should just get the book, Mastering College to Career. If they, learn, if they learn by listening, then the podcast is available anywhere this podcast is available, whether it's iTunes, Spotify. And if they, bet, if they learn by watching, then the academy, if, they want, if they're the type of student that likes more like structure, group coaching, like, or one-on-one coaching, and then the academy is the best fit for them. I honestly just depends on the student, which is how, like, for me, I like learning by doing and by watching versus by reading, because obviously I've already said that's where I struggle. And so that's kind of where I would just suggest masteringcollegetocareer.com and whatever is the best way that your student learns, that's the best way to consume my content. Again, yet an excellent example of what we just talked about, which is know your child, 
and then help them satisfy their needs in a way that fits them best. Because one size does not fit all. And that's even how they can work with the Mastering College to Career content. Thanks so much for your time, Daniel, and for sharing your story. I know this has helped so many people today, and it's exactly what they needed to hear right now. No, thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. I always enjoy our conversation. Every time I look at the at the time, I'm like, wow, it's, I can't believe it's already been like 36 minutes because it feels like five minutes. I know. The time always gets away from us, and for good reason. Thanks again. We look forward to hearing more from you and all of your good advice for students out there. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.